Hi everyone, it's Jack from the pod here. Um, just a quick note to let you know that you know this pod is for entertainment purposes, you know, and these are these are our opinions. Um, and it's yeah, it's just here to have some fun and hopefully you know provide some insight. So don't take this too seriously, um, and please keep that in mind when you're listening. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Another episode of From the Backseat, the football podcast with myself, Jack, and as always with Hugh. How are you today, Hugh? Me! <laughs> I am very well, thank you, Jack. Very well. The rain came, the thunder came. I was very happy and relieved. Um, and yeah, we're covering Man U today, so I couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah, we. if you've listened to the last podcast, you'll have noticed that we tried to hold back, but it's it's hard to hold back. It's just... It's just an absolute mess. So, we've decided to dedicate this whole podcast to basically talking about menu. It won't hopefully be all doom and gloom. You know, we're going to try and take a measured approach. That that might change as we get into it. But you know, we're going to look at the ownership. You know, the current potential and where they've kind of gone wrong and how it's all got to this point. Talk about their transfer policy and kind of how increasingly wild it's getting. Just talk about the general squads, because I think there are good players in there. It doesn't look like it, but I feel like there are. And then, how do they get out of it? That might be a short section. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not giving them the way out for free, you know. <laughs> no one will know. Elon Musk won't even know no. how, to, how to get Man United out of this hole, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's, let's just get into it as always. Sounds good. Oh. Where do you want to start? Where do we even start with such a debacle? Well, the year is 2005. <laughs> the Glazers have just acquired Man United for £790 million. It's an exciting time for them, do you know? Supposedly. They're battling yeah. with Arsenal for the title. Alex Ferguson is there. And there are many glory years ahead. But, unfortunately, those owners turned out to be absolute shit (laughs) (laughs) and we're in a position now where they basically have zero interest in anything to do with Man United other than the quarterly dividends which must Mm. be very nice Mm. Mm. yeah the Glazers have have brought that club to its knees Mm. during their their period as as stewards of the club it's just I keep saying it's sad but I'm getting bashed by a lot of my Arsenal uh, peers. So it's not sad, it's laughable. I'm just going <laughs> to revert back to where I was a couple of years ago. That's it, mate. Say, um, say it with your chest. Don't be shy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just horrible. It is horrible to see. To any club as well. You know, like any club, historical club that's been mismanaged in such a way and kind of brought to ruin. It's always sad to see. But Man United, you know, it's, it's pretty funny still. It's pretty laughable. Yeah, it is funny. It is still funny. Um, I'll be honest, the only club I could think of where they've had a similar period was Newcastle. You know, they had an owner. Mm. Like, the only thing that unified both these clubs for a long time is that they all hate the owner. Every single fan in that stadium and, you know, around the world. It feels like Newcastle, though. Like, they didn't actually have that much success, did they? No. They had Alan Shearer, and um, when Bobby Robson was there, they they were pretty good. But, you know, Man United, we're talking about Man United here. 
I know. Like, where do they even sit anymore? They're they're a mid-table team currently. I think that's being generous based on this season so far. It's only been two games, so we are going to try and avoid the hyperbole on this one. Yeah. I feel like had Eric Ten Hag won the first two games and we'd seen a kind of new style from Man U, then everything wouldn't be so doom and gloomy. But it just feels like we're it's an extension of just last season continued. Yeah, agrees. The pain is literally like it's one loss away and then the wound is back open. The misery yeah. is there. Like yeah. It's going to take a while to kind of close that wound and yeah, it's back, mate. It's bleeding already. And yeah, bigger than it's ever. It's just falling apart already. Like this season feels like, <laughs> you know, they're just counting down the games until it's over already after two. Yeah, there's just no optimism anymore. There's no optimism and, you know, back to the Glazers. It's, it's on their heads. Mm. You know, I feel like it all comes from them, this kind of divide between the supporter base the team the owners like none of the parts are moving together in the same way no and it does come from the top there's there is a general lack of interest um mm. in actually trying to make the club better both on and off the pitch you know the only area really where they've done really well is their commercial performance you know we joke about it, right? The noodle partners and the, I don't know, tractor tyre partners or whatever, whatever absolute garbage that they've been getting money from. But they have made loads of money and they have done really well in terms of, you know, selling the brand globally. But that's the only thing they're interested in, you know? More sponsorship yeah. money, more dividends. It's crazy, isn't it? Because they do that, that part so well. Like, I'm always shocked when I look at the kind of revenue or the, the P&Ls for the big clubs around Europe and they're always up there. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their finances, they must be the only club impervious to their actual form in terms of football when it comes to commercial stuff. You know, like, their finances are always in the top three, top four maybe this year. I'd be surprised, to be honest. I reckon they're still top three. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, that, I have to give credit, really, from a business point of view, you know? Yeah. I know the fans aren't interested in that at all, but, you know, let's caveat the whole thing and say, fair enough, like, commercially, they've smashed it but at what cost at this point? Yeah, well, this is, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like, you can be successful off the pitch and on the pitch, and arguably, the two actually benefit each other. The The issue for Man United is that if they don't sort it out soon, like, they will start to lose, you know, younger generations of fans, I'd imagine. Like, if I was, like, living in Manchester, and I was looking at the two teams, and I was, like, four yeah, years yeah, old, yeah. and I'd be like, oh. I think I might support Man City, which is bad, but one's having fun mm. and plays good football and one just looks absolutely horrible and depressing. And you're like, do, mm. do I want that? Do I need that? And that's the issue for them, is that they were always, you know, the most popular club in Manchester and the world. But why would anyone choose to go through this at the moment? It's just it's just misery. Yeah, I do feel like the only fans left now are legacy fans. Yeah. Fans who remember the golden era. Um so yeah, that's a good point. There could be concern, right? And is there going to be a new generation of fans like there were before if they're not delivering on the pitch? And then that's going to hurt their commercial performance. And maybe only mm. at that point do the Glazers stand up and take notice. Yeah, maybe that's going to be the trigger, really, is when the finances aren't looking so rosy. It's just You don't see that forecast anytime soon, though. No. So I can understand the concern here for United fans. is like, this has been going on long enough. How much longer is it going to go on? I have no idea. Because I don't understand why you wouldn't want to prioritise, you know, Champions League contention. You know, Arsenal were always going for the top four and mm. that kept the club moving as they kind of 
paid back the new stadium and stuff like that. And surely it's in Man United's interest to qualify and be competitive. They don't have to be, you know, competing at the top, but you get like a hundred mil a year do. from Champions League, don't you? Pretty yeah, easy. you get a lot from the TV revenue and participation. You know, and and they could take a massive yeah. cut of that in dividends every year. They could have a real nice slice of that. Yeah, but I reckon, I reckon their argument is like, we've spent a lot of money. And they have. Yeah, they have. But they haven't spent any of their own money. They've never, they've never, they use debt no. to buy the club. They paid the debt off with the revenues from the club, and they've used the rest of the money to pay themselves or you know buy new players basically. So yeah, it's pretty awful. That the, the club would honestly be in a better state had they just not. They've only taken money away and pay interest on the debt. It's honestly so criminal. So do you think like the whole aspect of well we spent a lot of money since we you know been owners of this club is kind of like a red herring? Because when you actually look at how they bought the club and what they're doing to the club in terms of the finances, like you said, not putting any of their own capital into it. Yeah. Um, like, a group of supporters could do the same thing. They wouldn't be able to get the credit lines because they don't have the connections. But in theory, yeah, yeah, yeah. a group of a 1,000 supporters could get a massive loan, buy it, and then probably take a far smaller cut and actually do a better job. So there's no justification for it. They've added no value. It's just It's just venture capitalism, you know? It's crazy. It's crazy. I can't believe it's been 17 years. I know, mate. Imagine how much money they've earned since then. Oh, oh that makes me so angry again. Because they're not paying oh. the loan back with their money either. So they're basically, they're getting 20 mil a year for nothing. They didn't do anything. They don't God. do anything. I mean, they did finesse it, didn't they? Yeah. They have finessed this so hard. Like, I'm almost admiring them. <laughs> I mean, this is the American dream, isn't it? You know? Yeah, right I mean, they've... They've destroyed an institution beloved by so many in this country, but they did finesse it. <laughs> Gotta get that money. <laughs> get that money, baby. Yeah, my goodness me. Yeah, I would, I'd feel very sad if this was happening to my club. It would just wear me down. Yeah. I'd just... yeah, I think it's that. I think a lot of Man United fans are wary now. I don't see so many kind of entitled Man United fans anymore. Yeah. Um, Thoroughly been yeah. knocked, knocked off their perch. Um, sure, goodness. The other thing about their actual investments is all of the money is invested into players. We'll get onto that whole mess in a bit. Mm. But, you know, the stadium is... It's been deteriorating. I don't think it's had any kind of touch-ups or major, you know, redevelopments since God knows when. Certainly from before they took over. And... You know, it's a great stadium, but it does need to be looked after. I'm not saying they need to rip it up or get a new one, but, you know, similar to what they're doing at Anfield, you could, you know, look to improve certain sections of it, even if it's not for the capacity, to modernise, you know, bits of it and just kind of bring it up to Mm -hmm. the current age, but keep the history of it. But, yeah, it's just like, they they just don't care. They've never been to Old Trafford, so why would they know, you know? (laughs) They don't don't even know where it is. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the stories of Old Trafford, like, leaking roofs and, you know, just, like, defunct facilities. It just sums it up. Like, Old Trafford yeah. represents ownership. Yeah, and, you know, let's extend that to Carrington. Yeah. As well, right? Like, we've, we've heard the rumours that Carrington is completely in the past now. Yeah. Uh, what did I read on the... Athletic. Um, Bias. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> when he returned to the club last year, he was saying... Um, well, the sources sources said that he was shocked at the at the fact that Carrington hadn't been updated 
since he left in 2009. That's so it's bad, isn't it? Years. That's so bad. I think how, like, think how much has changed in 13 years. You know, like, data scientists, for example, are, like, key now. Yeah. Um, I mean... There's so much more to football. I guess they don't have any new sections. So data science doesn't exist still. Maybe it's... No. You know, maybe they just pay for a subscription for something, you know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but, I mean, unlike Liverpool, City, and to an extent Arsenal as well, Tottenham... You don't really hear about their recruitment strategy in the same way. No. And it's not obvious, is it, their recruitment strategy or their selling strategy? No, and that's how it should be. Like, we don't need to know the ins and outs of it, but we know that it's in place because you can see the kind of profile. You can see there's joined-up thinking. Um, But, yeah. I mean, Carrington, at this point, might have some of the worst facilities in the entire Premier League, apart from maybe Newcastle, and they're about to... They're about to sort that out. Well, yeah, they're maybe some of the new clubs. Those. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's miles behind the kind of profile. And like, if you're a new player, and you know, even if you've been at Brighton or somewhere like that, and you had like quite a nice time, you moved to Man United, and you're just like, God, we train here. You know, it's like yeah. like, like a muddy football pitch for like I don't know, school hall or whatever. I I don't know. But Do you remember what Alexis Sanchez said those infamous remarks when he's talking about his time at United. I think this isn't quote unquote, but this is essentially what he said. Apparently, in his first training session at Man United, he was so shook that he called his agent and asked if he could go back to Arsenal. <laughs> no way. And they laughed at him, obviously thinking he was joking. And he was like, I'm not joking. <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> and that's pretty shocking. Like, that's come out of the horse's mouth. That's come straight out of his mouth. Yeah. And he's saying on his first day, his first training session, he wants to go back to Arsenal. I mean, that's terrible. Doesn't scream like great facilities for top top players. Well, you know? exactly. Like it's one thing buying good players, but then if you're training in, you know, just League One standard conditions, like the mm. players aren't going to improve, and it's no shock that they're this is it. They're not yeah, getting exactly. better on the pitch. Amongst other things, there's yeah, they're just miles behind. Like players get improved by you know good facilities with kind of up-to-date analysis where you can kind of look at their conditioning you can give them individual training plans you can do nutrition you do all these things you know to get basically just get all those marginal gains and then it seems like Man United have just got none of it at the moment like off the pitch yeah they're they're miles behind which means that on the pitch they don't have any advantages this is it. I mean, it's got to the point where, you know, the top Premier League teams are got set-piece coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got that refined now. Like, every aspect of the game. Don't Liverpool have throwing coaches? Yeah, mate. Don't... Do you know what I mean? Like, these marginal games that you're speaking of, like, every top team, probably every team in the Prem is, you know, thinking about marginal gains and where they can get an advantage in certain aspects. Of it. I just don't think it's happening at United. I don't even think they've thought about it, is the worst part, because it comes from the top and they don't think about any of this stuff. No. No, I mean, like, look at Darren Fletcher. What does he do? Mate, we'll get onto this, but that's been a real... I just don't understand why they keep hiring people who play for Man United. Like, no, what, what was the point of Darren Fletcher? I'm sure they had Paul Scholes on their bench at one point. Like, well, Ryan Giggs was there. Like, what's, what's the point? What, what are these people doing? Ollie was there. Ollie was fun. Ollie was having a good time, but... No one wants to hire Ollie as a manager. No one's ever been linked with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer and no one is going to again. Like, he's not hey, that good a manager. We, we may look back at Ollie's tenure, you know, um, I may think we've, we've been a little harsh to him at the time. It may, you know, like a couple of years, like, like Mourinho's time. 
Yeah, but what does that say? Years, like, then, he's done well pretty well there. All these tactics were, you know, as loose as the general strategy. Just like, you're good at football, lads, so keep it tight, score the break. <laughs> they got second doing it. <laughs> all I'm saying is, like, maybe, you know, like, maybe what Ollie brought was, like, he did, you know, we know that arm around the shoulder kind of managerial style. Maybe that's what that team needs, and it says a lot about that team. Yeah, maybe it's what maybe it's what it needs because that's just that's just aligns with everything else. You know, there's no real structure. You can't build a project because the foundations are just just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder if. Well, I don't. It's just it's it's ruined from top to bottom. <laughs> Every aspect of it is like mm, it's not looking great. Yeah, and yeah, I think the majority of that comes down to the Glazers because they're the ones who ultimately own the club and they're responsible for the success yeah, or failure of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And if they really cared, you know, about the sporting stuff, they just wouldn't take the dividends or they would just forego dividends for a year and sink that into infrastructure which will last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, um, literally. Do you know what I mean? Like short-term pain, long-term gain. I don't even... They, really they don't the even have to forego the dividends, man. They've got so much cash, no, the, they could just not spend whatever stupid amount of money they're about to spend on someone which definitely won't work out just like invest it in something or just invest in I don't know we'll get onto this I'm getting ahead of myself <sighs> so frustrating I know even I'm getting vexed I don't even support this team me neither I'm, I'm getting ve- I'm getting wound up like it's just oh it's so careless it's, mm. it's just like you have the like an opportunity to be totally dominant and they've just absolutely squandered it like Man United I think is it's primed, just, you know, to be dominant. Everything's yeah, there, th- and they're rubbish. I think that's why people get frustrated, though. It's because, you know, like a lot of clubs would would beg for the kind of finances and, um, kind of like position that United are in in, in well in like kind of global status of world football, right? And they're just squandering it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's yeah. The only other team that are comparable are Barcelona, but. At least they're 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 doing something, but God knows how that's going to turn out. But you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, but in Barcelona, like you say, at least they're doing something, whether it's right or wrong. It's it's the and silence, we, isn't it? That's that. I think yeah. that's what annoys fans the most. It's the silence that these people don't say anything. They don't seem to do anything. They just take the money, and no matter how bad it gets, there's never any connection with the fans. There's never any reassurance. There's nothing. It's just emptiness. No, it's just silent, isn't it? Also, speaking of Barcelona, deep dive coming next week. Is it? Is that? Is that? Is that the plan? Oh, I thought it was. Maybe it's not. <laughs> I, I retract that statement. <laughs> that might be the plan. Um, we're pretty fluid with our plans, you know. We kind of just. <laughs> Some say our plans are like Man United's transfer policy. <laughs> we kind of jumped the shark. I jumped the shark on that one. Yeah. I went off. I went off script. I apologise. We just. We just spin the wheel and wherever it lands, that's what we do, you know? Mm. <laughs> just like United. Exactly. And what a transfer policy it is. Segway. Oh, wait, should we take a break? I don't know how many breaks we need to take because people are used to listening for a good 25, yeah. 30 minutes. You know what? Let's just take a break, mate. We'll take a break. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll do it. Let's do it. <laughs> And we're back again. I'm gonna say something new next time. I promise, <laughs> mate. You've got it nailed down. You don't. You don't need to change, mate. We don't conform. Remember, that's our slogan. We, we use the word it's "back" true. a lot, and we're back in the back now. Oh my god. 
Okay. Okay. Let's just move on from that. Yeah. Uh, so, interesting rumours coming out today that uh, Jim Ratcliffe might be interested in buying Man United and Elon Musk as well. Now, I think one of them might be more serious than the other. And I reckon our <laughs> listeners can probably dissect which one. Um, yeah. The price yeah. being bandied around is £4 billion, which is a, is a good return on investment for £790 million. That's that's a good markup. Um, mm, so, but yeah, what yeah. what do you think about that? Poor, I think I think everyone in the, associated with that club could do with a reset. And I think Jim Ratcliffe he owns Nice, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And he owns like the, the, that cycling team that always wins the um, Tour de France. So he's already kind of well versed in the sporting world. So I don't think I think it'd be I think it'd be great. Whether or not it's going to happen is a completely different story. Um, but I have read today that the Glazers might be interested in selling a minority stake. Yeah. Um, so that could be something. Could be something. You know, it might be nice to have an outside opinion just from the Glazer family as well when it comes to the football club, you know. Um, I just... I, after he bid for the Chelsea... Because, you know, he bid for Chelsea, didn't he, back in the day? But it was a late bid past the deadline. Is he just trying to get his name in the in the papers again? You know, how serious is it? Because you know when you're just like, I'm interested. It doesn't really mean anything, does it? You know. Yeah, and how, how can we really know how it rolls in those elite circles? Like, is it is mm. it the same sort of thing where you're like, I'm interested and I have the money and that's it? Yeah, uh, is it just like, you know, like a, like a briefcase? Yeah. Did, did they go meet at an unmarked hotel? And... <laughs> and they sit there and they both press transfer at the same time. And <laughs> yeah, it pops yeah, up like... and you're like, verified. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea how it works. Um, but watch that space. I bet Man United fans are gagging for a new owner. Yeah, I. Th- I mean, I can't see how a minority stake changes anything. But maybe it's just a process of just getting a foot in the door and getting some of it away from the Glazers, brick by brick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, as we as we discussed before the break, the Glazers are obviously financially very savvy. So if they were to sell a minority stake, it's obviously in their best interest still. And it might take some heat off them, mightn't it? Because it's kind of like, oh, you okay? We we listen to you fans, and we've we've got Jim Ratcliffe in. Yeah. Um, but you know, ultimately, nothing changes. No, I mean, they're still one loss away from forgetting all about Ratcliffe coming in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you lose Liverpool next week badly, and um, doesn't matter who's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> and the price of four billion pounds. At first, I was like, wow, that's that's too much money. But I think Chelsea's bid was you know sort of close to three billion, and I think Man United as a brand are maybe one of sort of three clubs that have a true global dominant brand. So mm. I actually think maybe the price is actually fair with going rates. I've read six billion. Ooh, that's quite punchy. That is punchy. That is very punchy. And I think that would, like you say, I think four billion would be a bit cheap, which is crazy. Mm. <laughs> um, but maybe it's, it's four billion plus a promise to invest another billion on getting yeah. sorting it out you yeah, know yeah. probably or like you know direct payment to the Glazer family or something for that last billing yeah but yeah one to watch I I'd be surprised if it happens certainly you know it might develop over the coming year but any Man United fans hoping that it's going to happen before the transfer window ends yeah no sorry I'm sorry to say and the thing is like the reason why I'm not feeling too optimistic about it is because the Glazers have been here so many times and just withstood this pressure. They didn't even withstand it. They just didn't acknowledge it. Yeah, mate. They just they um, don't. It doesn't. It doesn't get to them. It doesn't filter through to them. You know. No, it never deters them from what they're doing. Yeah. So why would this change anything? 
You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even keep track of the, the table or the scores. Yeah. No, I mean, they probably just keep track of the, the P&L. Yeah, literally. Like, yeah. like all of their business accounts. I guarantee they don't look at anything else. No, but this is, you know, like why Woodward was in this this kind of position for so long, right? Yeah. Running the football side, running the finances, because that, that was his man. He's come from, like, a finance background. Yeah, he's a high-powered accountant, mate. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, clearly you only care about the commercial side of it, and he was the scapegoat in the end, and... These new people, it's just like cutting off the head of a hydra and you know, shooting <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. It's just a horrible image of just like Joel yeah. Glazer and there's just two heads, you know, or like three heads. Just this yeah, endless glazer beast. They all look quite similar, don't they? They're quite it's just a, a horrific image of a hydra with specific all the glazers. looking people, the glazers. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were part of this beast, <laughs> just like cloning Avran Glazer for the rest of time. I don't know, but. <laughs> It is bad, man. And what I will say, actually, you know, Richard Arnold's come in, I believe, and John Murto's also like in charge of the football. These guys haven't said a word. I know Richard Arnold went and met those people. Yeah, at the he pub went to the because... pub. That could have gone so badly. <laughs> he takes some balls to do that. Yeah, but, but I think he did it more for self-preservation more than actually trying to appease any football supporters. Well, no, he did it because the fans were were protesting outside of his house and scaring his kids. No, they were threatening to. So he was like, "Well, I'll meet you at the pub." Yeah. Says. So, one out of choice, you know. This is what I mean. Like, you know, had that threat not been there, would he have ever done that? Ob- Probably obviously not. not. And it's a shame that, you know, he asked him not to film and they did film. Yeah. But even him, like, explaining it, you could see this kind of... Oh, he was flustered. He was rattled. You know, he knew he didn't have the answers. And that scares me because, you know, you're in charge of the football, mate, and you, you can't even justify it to the supporters what you're doing. There, there, are no, um, there are no easy answers to a problem this bad, you know. It's about breaking it down. Um, so let's break down some stuff. Transfer policy. So my understanding of the Man United transfer policy, and this may have changed for this season, but my understanding previously was that it was so slow. If you imagine like using some sort of CRM or something like that, we have to wait on like eight people to approve something to get it done. Yeah, That's yeah, basically yeah, what yeah. it was like, I think. They'd you know, say, oh, I like the look of Bruno Fernandes. They'd have to wait for X person to approve it, who has to send it. It was just an endless chain that ends at the Glazers, and then they approve it. By which point, that person's already signed for someone else because it's been three weeks. So, yeah, even their transfer policy is so, so slow. And I feel like they probably lost out on a lot of deals by just simply faffing around. Yeah, I mean, they were in for Darwin Nunes didn't go for Darwin Nunes I don't know if they are slow actually I think that's a bit mean I just think like Darwin Nunes is a great example I just don't think Darwin Nunes wanted to go to United well yeah I mean that's 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 the newest issue I think last summer it was about speed they just couldn't get anything together quickly but no last summer they were good supposedly was it Jadon Sancho last summer wasn't it Ronaldo mate they spent 12 months getting the Jadon Sancho bid together okay fair enough but I mean last summer is a bad example because I do think they actually sorted it quite early they had Varane Ronaldo, R- Ronaldo, Sancho. Ronaldo. They, you know, they that wasn't a, that okay, wasn't. Okay, but la- last summer, before we witnessed what happened the following season, <laughs> you can't you can't say they didn't act quickly. They actually did. They backed Oli last summer, which is where you know the death knell fell for Oli. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay, they did for Ronaldo. I'm not accepting Sancho. I mean, they. What about Varane? Varane was pretty. Yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know what happened with Varane. I don't even know why Varane's there. I thought Varane was like the top three centre backs in the world. I don't really understand how this has happened. 
Yeah, he does not look like a good centre-back anymore. But then he hasn't played this season, actually, so I'm not going to say that. I don't know what's going on there, though. No, which makes me think that maybe he was just offered to Man United and they were like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do think it is very agent-led, their signings. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, let's just talk names, you know. Let's see if you can see any sort of logic behind this. So, Man United this summer, I think they need, they definitely need a striker and I think everyone agreed they needed a midfielder. Ideally, some sort of defensive midfielder or at least someone who could, you know, dominate the middle. Yeah, and play through the press. So, they got Ericsson. Mm-hmm. Kind of a good signing, quite opportunistic, doesn't really fit either of those briefs, has currently played as a deep-line playmaker and a full-stein the first two games mm-hmm. and has mm-hmm. performed poorly in both, so... Not a bad, yeah. not a bad player, but again, was he the man? And for me, I always saw him as very similar to Fernandez and what Fernandez does. Yeah, I almost feel like they moved Pogba on, and they made Fernandez the main man, and then immediately they've created more confusion. I do you feel like Pogba was more combative anyway? Yeah, I know he was he was pretty fragile, Paul, but yeah, you know you you. you I don't know, you'd be much more comfortable putting Pogba in a deep line role than, than Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Is my opinion. Though. Yeah. I, mm, I'm i not sure. I just wouldn't like to have either of them as my sort of holding... Not either, holding. But like, it's just not their, their position. So that was a weird one. Not necessarily bad signing. They've got Martinez, who is either a left-back or a centre-back. I've, I've said enough on him as a centre-back. He's not, well, he's not very good at centre-back so far, which was... Pretty obvious, I'd say. Let's go into that a little bit. I think we mentioned it. I don't know now. We've had we've had quite a few pods, so I can't even say the last pod anymore. But yeah, the key difference because Arsenal were very interesting this summer, right? But the key difference there is that we saw him as a left back because we were worried that he couldn't, you know, he couldn't do it at centre back in the Premier League. Like he would struggle, mm-hmm. um, and it's just worrying that like that's really come true. Yeah, but like, how did Man United not spot that too? I have no idea because. Even if they just read some general articles, it was, it was better. If they just looked looked at his basic profile and said five foot nine and thought, hmm. Yeah. You know, hmm. It's just, it just smacks of, I don't know, like it just seems a bit muddled, doesn't it? If Ten Hag is getting the people he wants, fine, but surely there should be a bit of kind of a compromise between who Ten Hag wants and who whoever Man United's scouting team are, I think would be a good fit. Well, I think he is basically his own director of football. And. Whenever managers buy players that they want or that they've worked with, I don't think it's ever gone well. I don't think managers can be trusted to buy the right players for a strategy. They just buy the players that they know or they like, right? Yeah. They they need an influence, but they they shouldn't be the people who decide the whole thing. No, no. I mean, I think Ten Hag's been given too much of a free reign. Yeah. Like... Tyrell Molastia as well is quite short and he hasn't really played and Tyrell Molastia you know, what was the point of that signing they had Alex Tellez and Luke Shaw and they have like yeah, no right backs that they like uh, so why Alex Tellez mm, Luke Shaw's always unfit yeah but I've never heard of Molastia I'm pretty sure no, he's not going to be a no. world beater at left back I don't think he'll be better than Shaw or you don't Tellez know that. we haven't seen we've barely seen him play it's just I just think again whole... what was the point like surely they should have prioritised buying a right back they had a list of 900 right-backs a couple of years ago. Dig it out, have a look, you know. It's not that hard. But who have they got right-back? Wan-Bissaka and Diego Dalla. Yeah, and they don't really want either of them. 
No, Dallow's the one that's been playing so far this season, right? <sighs> yeah, I don't know, dude. Just think, like, I mean, anyone who's played any games, like FIFA, Football Manager or anything, like, you look at it and you go, hmm, where are my worst players? Okay, I'll improve those positions first. And they're just like, they don't do that. Surely that's maybe, basic. Maybe left-back was worse. You know, maybe left-back is more of a danger position. Do you believe that? Well, I don't think either side's great. Yep. I know Luke Shaw's pretty good, but he's always out half the season and you can't rely on Tellers. So I honestly I, look, I thought they Tellers could have done with right. both. I don't I don't I don't I don't think it needs to be a... we don't need to admonish them for not getting a right back. They probably would love a right back, but who? Mate, it's not my job, mate. They've got the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna help Manny like this. They don't have a list. This is what I mean. They don't have a list. They mm. don't have okay. anyone apparently. Tarek Lamptey, they should just go for him. 50 mil, 60 mil, who cares? Just just pay it, he's good. Nah, there you go. This won't happen. I mean, yeah, you know, like, okay, that would make sense, but I just don't think that would ever materialise. Yeah. yeah that, that's, a, that's a fee for transfer, unfortunately, for me. Just, mate, Brighton are up for selling if you, if you pay enough money. Yeah, true, true. I mean, it's worth an inquiry, isn't it? But I do think they have more pressing places to, to get people in, a.k.a. midfield. Definitely a striker. Yeah, definitely a striker. And so, yeah, now like it seems like Rabiot is getting quite close again. No, it's off. Oh, it's off? It's off. Apparently, uh, <laughs> Veronique Rabiot <laughs> asked for too much. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you kidding? It's brilliant, isn't it? Like You can literally see that coming. What's her reputation? I know, dude. Like, I she know. asks for everything. And she doesn't back down, doesn't compromise. No, 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 but I mean, the fact that Man United have been like, that's too much, it must have been like 800k a week, you know, <laughs> this is Man United. Oh my God. <laughs> and apparently they were willing to put him as one of the top earners at the club, so that's like 350k a week. And Veronica's <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, so, that's really bad. Okay, well, you know, they probably dodged a bullet, but again... I was about, literally, I was about to say, they dodged a bullet there, clearly. They fumbled their way into a successful transfer there of not signing him. Well, I mean, you know, let's let's be a half glass full kind of people and say that. Well done, man, you for knowing knowing that that was the limit and thinking, you know what? No, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do that. Four hundred k is a lot. I say no. And now they're being linked with Casemiro. Like Casemiro is really, really good, but it doesn't seem like there's any joined up thinking. Like Casemiro is different to Ericsson. He's different to Rabiot. He's different to Martinez, and he's different to Dion. Yeah. So it's almost like they're just. They're just seeing who is available. They're just seeing, yeah, like, yeah, this, is a, this is a midfielder. That, and that's it. It's that Lydia, you know? It does stink of just, right, who's, like, really good and could perform here and now. Yeah. Like, I could put together this transfer list for, for United. Like, I could quite easily suggest Casemiro if it was a possibility. Yeah, for sure. You, know, but like, you could put anyone on a list, like... Yeah, you know, you're just choosing, like, supposedly top players with a big reputation. I mean, this is what Man United do. Will Casemiro accept? I've read that he's open to it, so it must be finances. Yeah. I don't know. I think he'd make a mistake. I think he'd have He's a... 30, though. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's in Madrid's interest to cash in, because they've got, they've got a very yeah. old and extremely good midfield. So maybe selling one of them is good business, but... And they've just brought in, what is it, Tuchemeni? Yeah, Tuchemeni. Tuch- too many yeah so I guess that slot has opened up and I think what the kicker is with Casemiro is Madrid are only willing to give him a contract till 2025 
United are willing to give him a big fat contract. Oh on 27. God! Oh my but God! EJ Kidd. He'll be thirty-five by the time of the end of that contract. So I give it two years until they're tr- they're begging him to leave. This is what I mean. It's like you're just not learning from the past. And you know we've spoke. We actually have spoken about giving over thirties a big contract. Yeah. You know, there's a big risk attached to doing it, and more often than not, it doesn't pay off. So. Yeah, it's. It's usually a bad idea. I mean, Arsenal are a great example of it. It's been a massive flop. I'm getting concerned about Salah already. Um, mm-hmm. That might have been a mistake. Now that he's done just causes it. divisions within the squad as well, though. Mm. You know, like if you have like a wage structure, I think it's more important to have a wage structure that's fair on everyone. So no one's that's not even an issue. Yeah. Than having these kind of superstars out of nowhere. And then um, what's the incentive for them to you know to to perform realistically? Like yeah, that's guaranteed. I mean, you, the contracts have to be highly incentivized if you're going to give them big contracts, you know. Yeah, but they just won't accept that because they know Man United is desperate. It's such a horrible position that they find themselves in. Yeah, they have no leverage. It's not good, man. Like there just doesn't seem to be any structure to like their transfers. You know, like I would look at Man United and be like, okay, they need someone in a similar mold to like Fabinho or Fernandinho or someone like that. Like someone who's just dominant in the middle, who's just going to take the ball, recycle it, or carry it out the pitch. Ideal signing, Kante, but obviously not. And then, yeah. Oh, could see that. Could but see then, that you, you know, you go look at players who fit that, and then you see which ones are available, and then you do it like that. But they're just like, I don't know. It's just totally random. Like, they don't, they they don't, they don't know what they want. They're just seeing what's it's available. An, it's another day, isn't it? It's another day another player linked to. It's like the good old days when you get linked to like 600 different players. Yeah. Hey, like, at, at some point, it's going to be Wesley Schneider linked. For sure. <laughs> Out of retirement. For sure. Yeah, man. You know what? This is a bloody hot take, but a Casemiro Fred midfield could be quite good. <laughs> could be quite good. It could be in another team. I think, nope. I think Fred's actually playing quite well. And I, again, that is a really that's like a super hot take I don't think Fred's been that bad last last season anyway he was one of the better players last season it's just McTominay's also rubbish no offence I don't even think either of them are that bad uh, they're probably not Champions League quality players but at least they at least they try you know like they're reasonable squad players squad player exactly. I, McTominay's perfect like, to bring off the bench and shore yeah, up the game yeah right? or like rotational I'd be happy mm. to have them as squad players but you just can't rely on them as a starting midfield, can you? No, they're pretty low on the list of problems, I'd say. I don't know, I think I think Casemiro would be a positive buy for them. It's just, obviously, he's just a bit old. And Mate. if you're going to give him a contract for 2027, I'll tell you that's not a good idea. But you, if you're desperate to get someone in, maybe you take that risk, isn't it? What's, what's, the, what you, what's the other option? You just go into the season with no new midfielders. Casemiro is a baller, like, that's for sure. But... There's something about joining Man United that that lessens you, you know? You're not the same player after, so we mm. might get a sort of sad version of Casemiro, you know? He might, yeah, he might just not be up for it. I mean, I reckon Madrid, because he's Brazilian as well, isn't he, Casemiro? So go to Madrid for, he's been there a number of years, and then to go to, up to Manchester at 30, his family probably settled in Madrid. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, dude. I see a lot that could go wrong. I'm thinking Alexi Sanchez vibes, but if you've got him on a spot, five-year contract proposed, then that that would be a problem. I think right now, every Man United signing, statistically, is very likely to be a flop. Maybe in the short term. I don't, 
I, th- I can't remember. I think Gary Neville did his assessment, and he only picked two two hits out of all of them over the last like four years out of like thirty seven. Can you guess who they were? Wolf United. Yeah. Fernandez. Yep. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. This is a podcast though, so this is going to get really boring really quickly. So okay, okay, you tell me. It's <laughs> that turn. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Forgot about Zatan. Yeah, fair so enough. So that's it. They're the only two that he picked, and that does not fill me with confidence that any of the current, like, I don't know if Ericsson will end up being good. Malassia, I don't know who he is. I'm pretty sure he'll be gone in, like, three years. Just played a few games. You know, like, Dello, just, like, didn't yeah, really make an impact. Does... But then, you know, unknown quantities at left-back could be a Cucurella. He could be, if he joined Brighton. Ah, what a mess. Okay, let's talk about the current squad because they're they're also problems. What do you think about Ronaldo, Hugh? How do you solve the Ronaldo jigsaw? It's tough, isn't it? How did it come to this? But at the same time, you could so see it going this way. Yes. Um, How do you fix it? I think you've got to get rid. I think you've got to get rid. Do you think you get rid? So you pay him... Off. Pay him, pay him off, pay him his off. His two mil crazy. a month contracts. You pay him off. Pay him off. Surely he would agree to terminate. So you'd spend less. potentially 20 mil to get rid. I just don't know what he's bringing to the team. He's not bringing hard work. He's, you don't he think it's worth sticking, keeping him around if you're just going to pay it anyway? To bring him off the no. bench? No, because like, is he going to bring this team up? No. Is he going to cause more problems? Yes. <laughs> like you've got to think of the squad here it can't just all be about Ronaldo and his wages like you've got a fucking 25 man squad yeah I'd agree with you if they had any strikers who could do anything but the, this is under the presumption that they are going to get a striker yeah. which is not looking good because at the but... moment they've got Ronaldo who does nothing but goals and Martial who does nothing and also no goals so yeah I mean bad. look it's bad but I just don't think he's bringing enough to the squad. And you say goals, short, sure, but like, look, his goals didn't get them anywhere last year. No, no. But so you have to look at the collective at this point, you know. Like, but there's so many things at play with Ronaldo because it's the brand of Ronaldo aligned with Man United's own thinking on brand. So, you, like, from a footballing aspect, I think you need to get rid. But if the Glazers, who are obviously going to make the decision, I don't think they will. So you you don't see. A move for him in terms of someone just taking him. He wants Champions League, so that already narrows down what you're, what's available to him. Yeah. In a, in a post-pandemic world, who can afford his wages? It's even half his wages. Who could justify even half of those wages? Yeah. There's not. I mean, PSG would have been the obvious one, but they seem to be suddenly sensible. No, this is it. PSG have had. You know, Which is a shame because can you imagine, mate, for the fanboys out there, Messi, Ronaldo finally linking up. On FIFA as well. That would have been yeah, cool. That would be crazy. But no, I, I don't know, man. I mean, romantic choice, go back to Sporting Lisbon, but he's definitely not going to do that. So I think he's just going to stay. Mm. I think he has to, but it's not because he wants to. It's an unhappy marriage right now between Ronaldo yeah. and United. And like, I don't care. Like, I've experienced it at Verzil and to a lesser extent at Bamiyan. And like, the proof's in the pudding. Once those problematic players left, we started playing like a team again at least. Yeah. So you think it's actually just worth it? Just cut your losses, take the L, get rid. Well, I mean, how many L's are they going to take otherwise? 
You know, like I don't think Man United fans would be that bitter. I think they'd quite like it, a bit of proactive nature from the club. You know, mm. like I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Like, yeah, you know, it's pretty crazy just to pay off a player to get out your club when he's Ronaldo, but it's becoming more and more common to see people get their contracts paid off. Yeah, because people are giving way too big contracts these days, aren't they? Like, it's getting yeah. out of hand. I mean, yeah, and there's know, some merit in it. It's just I think without any strikers who score goals, you kind of have your hands tied. No, fine, but look at Jaden Sancho. Like, I feel like he's he's way affected by Ronaldo. Mm. You know, like every time he doesn't pass the ball to him, Ronaldo wants him oh, arms up in the air. You know, like yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's it's like you're, you're killing your team. You know, like what you need from a leader or someone of Ronaldo's stature you'd expect is encouragement. You know, clap him. Yeah. You know, it sounds so simple and stupid, but like he's not—he's not going to be the guy to do that. You know, you are right though, because you know, if you if you looked at your own, you know, just a normal job or something like that, and you know, the kind of one of the people in your team, one of the best performing people in your team, is just having a massive tantrum every time anything goes wrong that might be your fault. You really knock your confidence after a while, you know. Yeah, and you know, like the guy that you know, the, let's say the the rest of the company absolutely adores this guy, so you know, like you can't say anything. Yeah. You've just got to get on with it. But this guy's killing your confidence. Every time it goes right, he takes all the glory. Every time it goes wrong, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah, it would crush you. And yeah, like, Sancho, he was, like, electric at Dortmund, you know? So confident. Just so direct. Yeah. Like, he would just take people on. And now he just, he looks up and he's just like, mm, I'm going to pass it back. Yeah, he doesn't want this smoke. And we need Jaden unlocked. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's no good what's going on right now with Jaden Sancho. And Bruno Fernandes as well. And Marcus Rashford. Yeah, mate. Fernandez Fernandez is like a different player now from when he came in. He was pushing best player in the league for a point because he was he was like unstoppable. I didn't I oh, didn't really stats... like him, but his stats were no, but like insane. He was just ping it from he he was shooting from outside the box. Like it was all confidence, wasn't it? He was making the right runs. He was making all the right decisions, and I think that is literally down to confidence and belief in your own game. It. Maybe it's coincidence, but as soon as Ronaldo's come in, now he's trying to make the wrong pass to keep Ronaldo happy. Yeah. You know, and like, that's not good. That's not, that is not playing for the team, is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Fernandez was carrying that team for a while, and now Ronaldo's trying to carry it. And yeah, it does seem like he's taking away from everyone around him. I mean, to be fair to Rashford, he's been bad for quite a long time now. Predates Ronaldo. Predates Ronaldo, and I'm so concerned for Rashi. Really it's been am. maybe two years now, funk. I think, if not longer. Um, I know, like, in the build-up to Euro 2022, but it was actually 2021, he was, like, struggling with, like, a back problem. Yeah. It's from carrying, mate, carrying the fucking... Maybe. ...children's, maybe. you know, meal plan. I do feel, like, in hindsight, and, it's, like, let's not take away any anything away from what Rashford has done for the community and his work outside of football, but he's just going to continue getting a lot of stick, more stick than's fair... You know, until he returns to his level of football, because people are just going to point to the fact like, well, you've written a book, but you're rubbish on the pitch, and you're a footballer. Yeah. First, and it's always going to be a stick to beat him with, and yeah, I don't know, Rashi man. I just think he needs he needs to get out. United. He's got what a year left, but they have the option to extend his contract for another year. Yeah. So I mean, next summer is going to be crucial if he doesn't extend. Yeah, his next move is crucial. He's on pretty lumpy contracts already. I think it's close to three hundred k a week. But hot take. Marcus Rashford, is he the new Deli Alley? Because Deli Alley got into this spiral for two years, mm. and then after three, you realise that maybe he's just this is just him now. Um, 
Oh, I mean, Delhi is Delhi so is, I think Delhi's done now. Like, I'm pretty sure he's moving to Turkey. So, mm. I wonder if this is the same thing as Rashford. Like, something's changed and maybe he's not going to be the same player anymore. The thing that I think is different, and I don't know this, by the way, guys, as you probably well know by now, but I always felt like Delhi, it was a lack of application. Do you think you so? Know, he, well, just like he got into Twitch and stuff, didn't he? And, mm. You know, there was always rumours of him loving the sesh, a bit like Grealish. Yeah, but um, I do think footballers have quite a lot of spare time. Like, they only train for, like, half a working day, basically. Oh, I'm not bashing him. It's just... I don't know, like, of all the things that you hear from that come out from Delhi and, you know, people's general opinion of Delhi, it's always the same. Like, it is that kind of general consensus, like, did he really apply himself as much as he should have? Yeah. You know, like, it's easy to get complacent when you have two, three amazing seasons when you're a youngster. You're probably, just, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, well, this is just how it's going to be. He has that naughty streak in him. Like, he got quite a few reds for MK Dons, I remember, as a teenager, you know. Mm. He's got that spiky side to him, but, yeah, mate, his decline is... Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, does he have the mindset to accept that maybe he hasn't been his best self? Yeah. Or is he just blaming or, it always? Or maybe he's just accepted things. it and he's not even fighting it, you know, anymore. Yeah, or, you know, like, it's just like, well, I don't want that pressure anymore. I'm quite happy. Like, I've made a lot of money. I've got other interests. Like, I don't need to be that top level footballer that I ever thought I was going to be. And that's completely fine, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely fine, too. But just a, a waste. And I'd hate to see Rashford go the same way, you know. I know Rashford was electric when he first you know came, but I feel like Rashi could still in a different environment. Rashi could pick it up. I hope so. I'd like to see that. He's my favourite Man United player. There aren't many, but mm. Rashford is a good lad overall. Is a concern Rashford though? Like he's never been great at pressing, and the way the game's going, like maybe, maybe it just doesn't work as much anymore. Maybe he's because United, you know, they need to work hard now, don't they? It's not like. Mm. He's got the time and space just to kind of maraud around anymore. Yeah. He's got to fit the system. Maybe then a move to Crystal Palace is best for him. <laughs> Straight swap for Wilf. Yeah, yeah, Bring Wilf back, mate. Uh, Take you know two. What's funny is that I could see Rashford at, at Crystal Palace. I could see it too. Like, counter-attacking, fluid, yeah. front free. He, he'd have fun. Yeah. It'd never happen because he's on way too much happen. money. Yeah, yeah. It's too much of a step down at this time, but... You know, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see him at Arsenal, I have to say. There were rumours, and I think he would do really well at Arsenal. Yeah, I'd like to see him at Liverpool, but there's absolutely no chance. Nah, he wouldn't fit in at Liverpool. Yeah, I know, but there's not many good English players, so, you know, when one comes available, yeah, no, you've got I to go for you, it. I feel you, I feel you. All right, but yeah. let's, mate, let's move on to our favourite topic. Harry Maguire. Yeah. Harry Maguire. Um, what? Oh, what? Why do we start with this man? Like, what, what's going on with him? How good is Harry Maguire? Has he ever been that good? You know, like, was he ever that good? Or has he always he's... just been this level and he's just, his confidence is now shot, so he's pretty bad? You know what? I didn't watch him, watch Leicester enough that season when he was, you know, that season, that breakout season before he went to United. To say for sure, but he was pretty solid, wasn't he? And his first season at United was it was okay. You know, he wasn't dropping clanger after clanger. No. And then I feel like the crescendo was the 2018 World Cup where he was pretty good in a back five, may I add. Yeah. Um, but since then it has just been a what was a steady decline. Now it's just a straight up off a cliff. <laughs> Mate, his his head's gone. Like his head is gone. 
And I almost feel like he needs a break from football because like he doesn't look yeah. okay. You said this to me maybe like six months ago. Yeah. Or just after he got arrested and all that stuff in Greece. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I mean, that... Oh, just uh, the Greece oh, situation. God. What did he say? Fuck Greek civilization. Yeah. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it, who oh, says that? Where does that come that, from? No, that you is know, such a rogue thing to say. It's just a, we, we've <laughs> all been drunk on holiday and it's never crossed my mind to shout that. Oh, to try and offend no. not just the entire country, but the, the entire... History of the country as no, well. No, it's, it's the civilization part of that yeah. statement that's just like so mind-boggling. Every <laughs> single Greek, past or... and present. Yeah, I know. Like, Everything oh, you brought it's... to the world. Honestly, we could do a whole pod just on that statement. What it really means. <laughs> that that was a moment. That was a moment. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a Greek curse. You know, the gods, of, the gods of ancient Greece are like, right, we're gonna we're gonna kill this man professionally. Yeah, um, he... but no, seriously, you did say about. Yeah, you know, like, he, he actually might just need a break for his own good. Yeah, I do feel like, because he's been getting absolutely grilled, basically non-stop for two years now, if I was getting grilled non-stop for two years, I think my mental health would be destroyed. And to have to be wheeled out every week and make more mistakes than just get grilled more, you know? Like, I feel like sometimes you need to look after the players a bit. And he's definitely not a captain, right? He He's obviously not a good right lad, now. but he's not, he's not a captain, he's not a leader. And he just looks no. totally lost. And I think it would do him and the club a lot of good to just take him out, just put him on the bench for a few games until the heat dies down, you know? But I wonder if he's one of those people that's like, you're not putting me on the bench, boss. You're not doing that. Yeah, but that's where the manager comes in and go, it's not your decision, mate. I know, but like, no manager's done that. So it's like, what, what is this guy saying? Like, how is he doing this? Because yeah. he's a mess. He's, he's so, so bad now. Like, Harry Maguire on current form... I can't see him ousting a single centre back in the Prem. It's maybe a hot take, but he's. I can't. I, I genuinely can't think of any, and I can't remember all of them. Let's be honest. But no, I don't think any any Premier League team, like fans of Premier League teams, would would even accept him in their team. No, no, no. and that says it all. Mm. I wonder. You think of Harry Maguire as well. Is like, I don't know if he takes accountability for how bad he is as well, which I think really frustrates people. Because remember, like, I can't, I can't right remember the context, please, I'm maybe just making this up, but he was getting a lot of flack, I think, last season, and he was getting booed by the English fans. Yeah, he was. And then I think the next friendly after that, we played, like, San Marino away, and he banged in the fourth goal. Fingers in his ears, knee slide. Fingers in his ears, knee slide. I mean, bro, what is so, like, yeah. tone-deaf. Like, it, it, it was against, like... It was against like a really, you know, low level yeah. international team. It was like Albania. Montenegro, I think. And Montenegro. It's just like, what are you doing, you plonker? Yeah. Like, it's like, come on, bro. Why, why are you antagonising everyone? Well, just like, what? You think scoring a fourth goal against Montenegro <laughs> is like, in any way, you're going to just make up and justify it? <laughs> yeah, like, what is he on about? Like, you're just opening yourself up for criticism. And some of the interviews where he's kind of addressed, you know, his form and his, the criticism against him. He never actually accepts that maybe he's just been bad. It's always... It does feel like he puts the blame on someone else. I mean, maybe that's just part of his psych- like psychological makeup. But those kind of things don't indeed to fans. I think a lot of fans, especially for United fans right now, would just like someone to hold their hands up and be like... Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's why David De Gea, he got a little bit of credit at the weekend because he did hold his hand up and say, yeah, that was my bad. Yeah, but, oh, poor David. He's just like a shell of a man, isn't he? He's just Yeah, mate. 
he's done he's, he's, he's been in this situation like a million times before maybe more than anyone else in that United squad and it's just like he, he's honestly he's done his time like he's served his time just and he has carried that him. team yeah at certain points in his, in his time at United so they basically tricked yeah. him to stay you know with the fax machine thing they tricked him to stay oh yeah yeah but in another in another world he's he's got four Champions Leagues at Real Madrid you know no, it is sad for David. It's sad. Did he get a Prem title? I think he got one, didn't he? Maybe, yeah. But, yeah. like, right. he's missed the boat. There's no clubs for him now. No one's looking for him as a goalie right now. He's stuck. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, again, another marriage. But I feel like he's not He's not as problematic as, say, Ronaldo. To keep. No, he's not the biggest he's problem. He's a good professional. Like, even he, stylistically, he's not the right kind of goalie that everyone wants no, anymore. No, this is it. Like, he, it's so weird, isn't Even it? their best players years. are problems that is so true like he isn't the right goalkeeper for what people want to do especially in England anyway no maybe Italy he could go to after yeah maybe maybe yeah yeah it's just yeah it's just I feel bad for David so you know he was tricked he was tricked to stay in and his life could have been so much nicer he's from Madrid for fuck's sake it's so true and imagine you know You've got Harry Maguire in front of you. Yeah, and you're just shouting at him and he's just looking at you like, huh? Yeah, yeah. It must be so frustrating. Yeah, especially watching it unfold in front of you, watching Maguire just trundling around and you're like, is this guy for real? Is he going to come back or is he just going to keep running up the pitch? Mm. Mm. And they both look at each other like, you're at fault, you're (laughs) at fault. It's just like, oh, God, guys. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. All right, let's take another quick break and then we're going to talk about how do we solve this? We're going to give it for free. And we're back for the most important section now. We're looking forward. We're not looking backwards, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, how do we get out of this? So, Hugh... How did Man United get out of this situation? Uh, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I agree. You know what? It's too big of a mess. All right, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks that's, so much for listening, guys. That's the end of this pod. Good night. Let's wrap it. Nah, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a fair answer, though. That was, yeah, that was the right answer, but... You know, we have to at least try. We have to try. We've got to propose something. But know that our answer is you can't. It's unfixable. <laughs> and we stand by that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that is my truthful answer at this point. I don't know, I don't know what they can do to fix it. Unless they sell the club. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. Sell the club. I think selling the club would definitely, yeah. So, being more serious. Yeah, um, sorry, guys. I think, yeah, it has to start from the top. I think new owners and a takeover is the best way to just cleanse it because you've just got to cleanse the bad vibes and the bad energy out of the place early on. Um, the new, the current owners have had more than enough time to do anything and they've done nothing. So mm. I think until that happens, any changes will feel, you know, like changes, but in the same chapter, we, we kind of need a big cleanse. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen because it's such a nice asset to have. Yeah, I mean, when the money's good, it's hard to, you know, well, what's going wrong for the Glazers, really? Exactly. They don't care they're, about glory. They're living the dream. Everyone yeah. else is living the nightmare. 
Wait, no, I, I've actually thought about this. I've got a four-point plan, which I'm going gonna, gonna to tell you all now. Oh, you okay. Get, okay. get strapped in. Trademark. First, first and foremost, completely from top to bottom, change the footballing structure, the football operations of the club. Get a defined director of football. Get an esteemed director of football. Go and buy Monchi <laughs> from Sevilla. You know what I mean? Like, Mate, go from the top and work your way that, down. That's it. That's actually it. Monchi is a bad boy of sports directing. Yeah. He, he's the gold standard. You know what I mean? Like, go he would, get him. He would turn go. it down, but at least, you know, go for it. Yeah, go for him. If he says no, go find someone else of a similar Guys, ilk and work your way down the list. Yeah. I hate to say this, but Michael Edwards is available. Get Michael Edwards. Convince him. This is a legacy club that you can bring back to the top. I mean, that's a pretty juicy test. I mean, heartbreaking for Liverpool fans. Yeah. But, yeah. Super yeah. sad. But... You know, like, the options are there. Go and do it. Make it happen. No more excuses. Just make it happen. Right, point one, done. Even, God, no, actually, this is the one. Van der Sar. Van der Sar is director oh, of football at Ajax. Oh, and he's also a Man United ex-player. So, ticks the brief. Perfect, perfect. Well, it ticks all the boxes. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Step Everyone's one. been saying it. Sorted. Get Van Step one. Step one. But beyond that, get a scouting department. Get a stats, you know, get get data analysis. That's... Expand the scouting department. Revamp it. Change the way that you do analytics. I don't know. I'm just a guy in my living room with a headset on. Nah, mate, that, for goodness that... sakes, like... That's radical. That's 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 too radical, mate. That's that is outrageous. What are you? Yeah, what are you even yeah. talking data, mate? Who the hell is yeah. data? You know what we do. We, what they should do is go to a pub, and then write a list of high-profile names on the back of a cigarette pack. And just do it that way. <laughs> and then yeah, just just ask the general vibe of the pub. Yeah. Which of yeah. these? Which ones do you think? Ask the geezer in an 06 Man United top. And ask him what he thinks, and then just go by that. The worst part is that they'd honestly probably do a better job. <laughs> yeah, literally, they probably have some good points. Yeah. Um, no, okay. you're right. Build, have a director of football, build mm-hmm. a unit around him that aligns mm-hmm. with him with clear, mm-hmm. you know, sort of breakdowns of what they're all responsible for, funneling mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. in line with his strategy. How do we mm-hmm. want to play? What kind of football do we want? What kind of profile of player? All this stuff. Mm-hmm. You've got the project manager now, as in Eric Ten Hag. So, step two back your manager, mm. back him, back him, even when you're 16th in October. Back him. If he's the right manager in the right yeah. structure, you back him. Even if he's not the right manager, like you. Oh, someone else's cat just walked into my house again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this a regular thing? Yeah. God, this this bloody cat. Sorry, I'm going to. I was. No, I'm just going to leave him. He's just eating all the other cats' food. Just focus. Just focus. focus. We're, we're so Anyways. close. Back Eric Ten Hag, even if by Christmas you're at 17th and at risk of getting relegated, you have fired so many top, supposedly top managers that it's a joke. Yeah. It's obviously not the manager at this point. So yeah. just, get, like, change the trend, back your manager through and through, even when it's going wrong, and listen to him. Like, actually listen to the guy. You know, it's simple, it's simple. You know, don't listen to public opinion. Like, if that's the guy you've chosen, that's the guy that Richard Arnold went and got, then back him for two years. Just yes. do it, you know? Like, no more just yes. roundabout firings. Just back your man. Decide on your direction, and if the manager is, you know, the right manager for that style and that direction, you just got to go with it. It will be unpleasant in the start. Like, when Brighton got Graham Potter, they finished, like, 15th, and they were pretty, they had a they were pretty bad. Urgent season. Like, is anyone thinking it's a bad hire now? Like, no. Same with Arteta. Like, it's pretty bad for a while. 
to a lesser extent, but I mean, look where we are now. Yeah, but even like last season, you know, it was, it wasn't looking good for him around this time last year. No, but no, and like the it was never in doubt. Were, it was never in doubt. No, he was the guy. You know what they did? They doubled down and got three more signings that he wanted. Yeah, and we and we we pushed for top four. So that's what you do if you got the right man and you truly believe that, then you back it you until back until it. it becomes you know untenable. Oh, the irony of this is that they've got Ten Hag and he was the Ajax manager and we've just said Van der Sar's the guy. I would argue all they need to do is get Van der Sar, director of football. He knows what to do. He's a smart guy. He'll work it out. Maybe, but then that would only be a one-point plan. So anyway, point three. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. How many points are there? There's four points. So okay, we're getting cool. through it. We're right, getting okay, through it. Okay, cool. Right. Get rid of the toxic dressing room. Pay him off. Ronaldo, pay him off. That's, you know what I mean? It's going to be a big payoff. Rashford, bro. if he doesn't want to be there, get rid. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. say, know your worth. You're fucking Man United. You know, like, if, if, if Rashi doesn't want to be. Let him go. Let him go. <laughs> let, let him go, man. Like, it's a joke. If these players oh. all complain, like, oh, it's so hard being United. Just go, dude. Find some players that want to play for United. For God's sake. Like, oh, I'm man. sick of all these little, all these little crying boys. Little, the pussy boys from United, <laughs> all these leaks, man. Just stop the rock, sort it out. Oh, Unite man. the dressing room, for God's sakes, man. Bro, you've got uh, my vote, man. If you if you want to go for it, bro, I, I maybe will, that maybe they need me. I'll definitely there. endorse it. Yeah, United fans, let me know if you agree with this plan. But last point, and this one's quite reasonable: invest in the infrastructure of your club. Like you said, this is an amazing asset. Show a bit of interest, because even if like it doesn't improve the playing straight away, the fans will appreciate. Just. United fans will appreciate anything at the moment. Like, if they get <laughs> a new social media manager, they'll be like, this is amazing. Like, we're entering the 21st century. This is how bad it is now. Do you know what I mean? So, for goodness sakes, like, just just, just leave Q3's dividends and put it into Carrington. <laughs> Do yeah. something. Like, the players need an impetus. That. They need a little boost. It's just... I don't know, mate. That's my four-point plan. And... Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great plan. I think it's honestly very logical and some would say pretty obvious, but... It's not. It's not made its way to them. So, we well, need it to... has. But like, they're like, well, how much is it going to cost us? What? How much? Oh, we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that is the problem. You know, like, it's wild. Oh. It's wild. Um, and yeah. So that's my yeah. Man United rant done. That, just to that, clarify, that's that's good. You know, I don't think I've ever seen you this fired up on a podcast. And shame on you that it was defending Man United and helping them recover. You know, what are the yeah. Arsenal, what are your, your well, Arsenal fan friends going to say, man? I do need to clarify that I am an Arsenal fan. Um, I don't. I honestly didn't know I'd get this vexed going into this pod. <laughs> I thought I'd be quite, you know, trying to articulate things well and be insightful. But no, I've gone pure, pure passion. Passion. It is interesting because I thought we would be more cynical and more joyous about it. But yeah, I'm just disappointed, and you're just riled up. Like that's no. It's just they're just pissing me off now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's no excuses for a club that size to be this bad. And for it to be such a prolonged period, like, you guys are, like, mugging yourselves off, really. It's just... Yeah. Oh, it's the just fact crazy. that is they're just slowly drifting in the wrong direction as well, and there's absolutely no attempt to, like, turn the direction. I'd like to add another step to Hugh's four-point plan and make it a five-point plan, if Ooh, I may. Okay. If I may. You may. I'll allow it. I might get really aggressive, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know, lay it on me. <laughs> this is going to seem radical... <laughs> but get all the youth teams to play the same fucking style as the first team so that when you bring them up, they already know how to do it and it's a nice introduction. 
stop just dropping players in at random and telling them to play positions they don't know or whatever. Like, it's going to give them a bad time and they're going to have mm-hmm. a hard time. They might have a good debut, but just just give the youth teams the best chance of success by aligning everything, you know, and making it Absolutely. a very fluid line from, you know, from under nines all the way to first team. They all play I've, the same football. I've heard their academy is... Well, that's a very good point. You know, if the academy's not playing the football that Eric Ten Hag wants to play, then it's, it's pointless. I thought every academy did this, so if they're not doing that... Pff, I don't know where to begin. Um, but that's a good point. I actually think their academy's been pretty resilient, considering the the nightmare that is their senior team. Um, what's that Hannibal fella has meant to be quite rated, and Anthony Alanga's come through. He wasn't bad last season, was he? I mean, I thought he was probably the top three yeah. best players last season. One of their better players last season. So, yeah, I think invest... Yeah, that's a great point. Invest in the academy. You know, like, get another class of 92 get another golden generation going mm. so they can play the bloody United way that everyone keeps harking on about Sky Sports I don't know I actually don't know what the United way is I'm pretty sure it's running down the wing and crossing in a 4-4-2 which 100% is not going to work <laughs> that is 100% so, like, the, the United like, so, way why, why does anyone want the United way no exactly we don't build a new United way like, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine where people are just like oh mate, it's a United way and you're like but what build is that a, build a better way yeah, yeah. Build a better than United Way. You know, if the United Way is the bar, then I'm sorry, then it's the wrong bar. David Moyes mm-hmm. tried one match against Fulham, I remember it, it's iconic, where he played the United Way. And they did like 49 crosses or something stupid. No, and they didn't win. Gonna... Yeah, I remember that game. That was that was the United Way, mate. So <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, yeah, it's so vague, isn't it? Attack, attack, attack. Okay, but Yeah. Alright. Alright, let's get end game. Rapid. This is one question, one answer from you. Are you all ready? Right, all right, right. Hit me, hit me. Are they in a relegation battle? Maybe. Is that loud? That's too on the fence for me. I'm going to say no. That's not the answer I was looking for. Yes. Why, why do you think yes, you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Lose to Liverpool and then, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. full well, full well. Well, I think we're just going to end it there, mate. End of that <laughs> rapid, rapid fire round. One question. Yeah, mate, I told you it was rapid, mate. We do things differently. When we to say it's fair, rapid, it's rapid. We have had, as I say, we've had so many people say it's just too long. So, guys, this is it. We, we're just over an hour. Give yeah. us some credit, please. Oh, but, uh, I thought we were going to make it under an hour. That's why I did it so rapid. No, I'm doing the quick math. I think we're going into, <laughs> we're going over again. We might as well just round up to two hours at this point then. Yeah, may as well. May yeah. as well. I mean, there's so much more to cover, right? All right. One more question, or the rapid-fire question around. Will Eric Ten Hag survive the season? No. <laughs> and why is that? Why, why do you think that? We've got time now, mate. We can speculate. Oh, true, true. I, just, I think this runs... They're going to lose to Liverpool. And if they lose to Liverpool, and if they lose the next, or draw the next game, was it Leicester, I believe? It's Southampton after that. Southampton. So even if they... I don't know, man... I just think if they're languishing in like tenth, eleventh by by December, you've got to go, mate. I can see them languishing in like the bottom five by the end of October. Yeah, or if we get to the World Cup and they're there yeah, in like fourteenth, then he's yeah. got to go, isn't he? Because then they've got a whole month to find someone new and establish yeah. it. I mean, I know I'm going against my whole four point plan, but I'm thinking from the Glazers' perspective here. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, ideally they would just implement the plan now, but. That's probably not going to happen. Didn't even have a director of football. Is Richard Arnold now director of football? I don't think. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know, actually. Maybe, but then he's not a football... He's not a football man. He's not a football man. Proper football man. He's not a, he's not a PFM, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Get Grove Sooners in. Yes. Yes. Now, <laughs> now, now we're talking, mate. <laughs> now we're talking. Nah, in all talking. seriousness, it will probably end up being one of the old boys, won't it? Like Ferd- Ferdinand... He hasn't had a job at Man United yet, I don't believe, so he's probably no. probably due. Or just... Oh, no. No, you're going to get me riled up again. You're going to get me riled up. I'm going to nibble. Okay, all right. Let's, right, let's, let's, just, let's just end it there. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> no one wants that. Save it, save it for next week, mate. Yeah, well... Yeah, 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 I will. I will. So thank you for listening to our very angry episode five. Um, yeah. Just to clarify, neither of us are United fans, so... Yeah, take that what you will. We're just very passionate about good, you know, management and building stuff properly. It just really pisses us off when people are just being so stupid with, yeah. these, with these assets, you know. Honestly, actually, sorry, final point on the plan. It's just come to me. Man United fans, stop going to the matches. Just stop going. Just stop going. Like, stop it. Stop Stop pretending you're going to do it and then on match day all turn up. Like, stop fucking going. That's, that's good, actually. Because oh. they do do that. They flirt with the idea... If they didn't go for a couple of matches and it was empty, message sent, message received. Yeah, imagine an empty Old Trafford when, you know, it's not pandemic. It's embarrassing for the Glazers. It's the only way they're going to listen. It's the only way it's going to impact them. Tweeting them directly is going to do nothing. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Surely no one thinks that. Mate, you see Man United fans on Twitter, they must think they're, they're starting a whole movement. <laughs> they must think they're like Rosa Parks on Twitter. Just hashtag Glazers out. <laughs> all right, we'll stop going to match day, all right? Okay. Pod's done. See you later. A ciao bella. <laughs> yep. Say no more from me. See you later, everyone. Thanks for listening.